This is the World War II Radio Podcast. A date which will live in infamy. This is London. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Go ahead, Berlin. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Welcome to the World War II Radio Podcast. Today we have the Daily Radio Newspaper, as it was broadcast over CBS on November 3rd, 1943. Sponsored by Crisco, the series aired for a short time as a daily program in 1943, although we haven't been able to find the exact dates of its run. The series was hosted by actress Bernadine Flynn, with the news delivered by Derwood Kirby. The World War II Radio Podcast is a Brick Pickle Media production. If you like the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. You can also visit our website at brickpicklemedia.com slash podcasts, where you can find links to past episodes and other information. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ww2radio. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's episode of the World War II Radio Podcast. Your daytime radio newspaper with Bernardine Flynn. Hello, friends. This is Bernardine Flynn bringing you another of our news programs, your daytime radio newspaper. Derwood Kirby is going to tell you about the big, important news. I will tell you about the little human things that are happening to people everywhere. And now, Derwood, what's the big news today? The German war machine is rocking under heavy blows from many directions today. In Italy, an Allied spokesman says the German line before Rome is breaking, and the Germans have begun an orderly retreat. American spearheads on that battlefront have stabbed forward another three miles to bring the key towns of Assyria and Venafro within artillery range. These new gains give our forces complete observation on the broad Garayano River Valley. The present German defenses are sagging under the heavy Allied pressure, but as the enemy gives up, His delaying actions are still an obstacle to our forward push. The German opposition is described as still very stiff. On the Adriatic side of the Italian peninsula, the British Eighth Army has pushed across the Trigno River to establish a second bridgehead on that stream. In the air, Allied flyers yesterday knocked down 37 enemy planes, their biggest bag in weeks. 30 of these were destroyed by the Flying Fortresses and Liberators, which raided Wiener Neutst, just below Vienna. That raid, incidentally, is described as one of the most successful ever carried out in the Mediterranean theater. Meantime, we learn that on Monday, American medium bombers knocked out an Italian cruiser, which had been seized by the Germans. Reconnaissance pictures showed the cruiser lying on its starboard side in a big patch of oil in Ancona Harbor on Italy's Adriatic coast. At the time of the attack, the Yankee flyers thought they had hit a large merchant ship. American marauder bombers based in Britain roared out over the English Channel this morning to blast German airfields in northern France. And today, the largest force of American heavy bombers yet dispatched from Britain raided northwest Germany. First reports give no indication of their targets. A new note on air war comes from Yugoslavia. Partisan sources say Russia is preparing to send planes to aid the partisan air force, which is being organized by Yugoslav pilots using captured enemy planes. As for the fighting in Russia, that continues to go well. 
Cossack cavalrymen are pounding across the Nogayesk steppes to round up more remnants of beaten German armies. The complete annihilation of the enemy is expected within the next several days. The Russians are cutting through the disorganized enemy columns with almost bewildering speed. Informed military observers in London say Germany stands to lose at least 100,000 men in this present fighting in South Russia. The Germans are still putting up their bitterest resistance in the Krivoy Rog area, where they are holding open a narrow corridor of escape for German troops in the Dnieper bulge. Even in that area, the Russians are advancing relentlessly. In Cairo, diplomats from Turkey and the Allied nations are gathering for a conference which may de determine very definitely Turkey's future status. Some observers expect the United Nations to hand Turkey a virtual invitation to war. Meanwhile, a note of discord in the Allied camp has been sounded in Algiers. French General de Gaulle has demanded that France be given an equal role with the other major Allied powers in the settlement of world issues arising out of the war. Around the world, Admiral Halsey describes the American invasion of Bougainville as our greatest venture yet in that South Pacific area, and he adds, the Japanese know they cannot halt us. There are few new details on the Bougainville fighting today. It is revealed, however, that Japanese cruisers and destroyers attempted to attack our positions Monday night. They were intercepted by an American naval task force and after an apparently heavy engagement, fled northward. Results of this naval action aren't known in full, but the fact that the Japanese warships hightailed it out of the area indicates that they probably suffered another beating. The Tokyo Radio, by the way, speaks of naval and air battles to come in the showdown battle for Rabaul, New Britain. That's just what American leaders are hoping for. They would love to get the Japanese fleet in a free-for-all scrap. An insight on Japan's war effort is available today from American reporters who are among those nationals being brought back to this country on the liner Gripsholm after almost two years of Japanese internment. The Gripsholm reached Port Elizabeth, South Africa, this morning. The American correspondents say the Japs show no sign of cracking morale. They report wartime fanaticism, tight army control, mounting shortages of food, and doubled living costs. But they also report that the Japanese people are accepting these hardships as part of the game and are prepared to back the war effort for at least five more years. Here in this country, scattered state and city elections have given Republican candidates a number of victories over their Democratic opponents. And the GOP is eyeing the results as indicative of a trend which they hope will lead them back to the White House in 1944. This morning, the deadline passed for coal miners to return to the mines under President Roosevelt's directive. Generally, that directive has been ignored in the major producing states as the miners continue on strike. Well, that's the top of the day's big news, and now let's turn to the colorful human interest side of the news with Bernardine Flynn. Somewhere in Britain, thousands of American soldiers are going through invasion exercises at the American Assault School which prepares men for the time when they will have to storm the shores of Europe. The practice sessions are very realistic, with real bullets and live bombs. The other day, United Press correspondent Dudley Ann Harmon paid a visit to this school. She is one of two women allowed to witness recent exercises, and I'd like to tell you her reaction to this specialized training. Miss Harmon says, at a quiet English town, a group of correspondents found the nearest thing in existence to the European invasion coast, a model of the enemy's defenses, with concrete pillboxes, booby traps, 
and barbed wire entanglements. Waves of boys from every section of the United States tried out these defenses under real bullets and explosives, landing from the same boats they will use to invade Europe. Casualties occur even in this practice. Before Miss Harmon was allowed to watch American infantry slam into German defenses, she and the other correspondents were warned of the danger. Colonel John Horton, who was in charge of the operation, told them, All possible precautions have been taken for your safety, but we can't guarantee that you won't be killed. Yesterday we had a general with us, and a bomb landed 40 feet behind him. Then the infantry exercise got underway. This is how Miss Harmon describes it. First, the barrage started. The noise shut out everything else in the world, and the ground shook. A pall of smoke from mortars hid the ridge ahead. We started forward. The barrage increased, and I hid in a sand dune. A pillbox ahead blew up with a terrific roar. Then we went on again. A spitfire above whined and dived to send machine gun fire into the ground. We went on with the smoke of a hundred shells around us. For 95 minutes, we watched this dose of death while the soldiers went calmly about their business with concern only for the battle. Frankly, says Miss Harmon, I wanted to scream. In the Air Force units overseas, P-47 Thunderbolt squadrons are taking something of a ribbing from the pilots of P-38 Lightnings. It seems that the Lightning pilots have looked up the dictionary definition of a thunderbolt. It says, a large crash of noise causing no damage, immediately followed by a bolt of lightning. However, don't be surprised if the Thunderbolt flyers finally dig up something with which to come back at the lightning pilots. Our American boys are like that. They fight, and in between times make the most of their native sense of humor. Say, Bernardine, you're pretty observing. Maybe you've noticed how more and more people are taking lunchboxes to work these days. Goodness, yes. And that's something I wanted to talk about in connection with Crisco. You know, it's so important now that lunchboxes not only be appetizing, but digestible, too. And with Crisco, lunchboxes like that are as easy as one, two, three. There are pastry turnovers with all kinds of tasty fillings. One of chopped ham always hits the spot, doesn't it? And when Crisco handles the crust, you can be sure of a turnover that melts in your mouth. Even when it's cold, it's flaky and digestible. Oh, that's the way to tell a Crisco crust. And here's another Crisco trick for a lunchbox. Cook frankfurters and slip them just enough to spread mustard inside. Then dip them in a fritter batter and Crisco fry. They can come out crisp and golden brown. And like everything you fry in Crisco, so digestible. And what's a lunchbox without a big hunk of layer cake to make it swell eating? The kind of cake Crisco makes. Honestly, you can save your butter for the table because Crisco cakes turn out so wonderfully light and fluffy. Well, golly, no matter what you cook with Crisco, you can be sure it will be swell-tasting, really digestible. Crisco is the finest quality shortening you can use. It's pure and all vegetable. And as nine out of ten doctors say, digestible itself. So, for really good eating, truly digestible food, try Crisco. You will be delighted at how good your meals will taste. Tonight, Naples will again be bathed in the soft flow of light. Light that symbolizes an allied victory. Light that represents civilization and humanity. Light that ends the darkness imposed by the cruel hand of the German invader. 
Yesterday, the electric power was tested for the first time. For four hours before the switch was thrown, Naples was a dead city. 500,000 Neapolitans, under orders from our army, moved out of their beloved homes. And in long lines that stretched almost as far as the eye could see, they walked up into the hills. And from there, they looked down on the bomb-torn, wrecked and pillaged city. They looked down on their homes and stores, half-fearing, half-believing that some great hidden German mine would explode when the Allied engineers turned on the master switches. We're all happy to know that there was no explosion. And those switches, once again, are pouring light into section after section of Naples, from the fashionable residential districts to the humble tenant areas, from the waterfront to the Via Roma. On the home front, the OPA has taken steps to end the shortage of shoes for small children. That's good news, Derward. Tell us about it, please. Well, the OPA says that sometime around the first of the year, you may start buying a new supply of non-leather shoes for children, and you won't need any ration points for them. The new shoes will have canvas uppers. Oh, I see. Something like gym or tennis shoes? Well, no, apparently not. The OPA explains that the soles of the new shoes will be made out of heavy woven fabric, and in addition, they'll be reinforced with vulcanized rubber. The new shoes are mainly for children up to eight years of age and should give them a lot of extra mileage. Well, I know that'll be welcome news to parents who have growing youngsters. And this is another encouraging development. The OPA general manager, Bowles, reports that more than 12 million Americans have signed pledges to observe rationing rules and price regulations. Well, that looks like a good start in the drive to stamp out the black market. And the OPA, by the way, also has given us some new rationing dates. For meats, fats, and so forth, four brown stamps in War Ration Book 3 will soon be good. You may use stamp L starting November 21st, stamp M November 28th, stamp N December 5th, and stamp P December 12th. They all expire January 1st. And from now on, all pickles, that is, all except fresh cucumber pickles, will cost more. The OPA has announced new price ceilings, which will increase the cost of pickles about one cent for each quart jar. Say, uh, Bernadine, didn't I hear you say that when a meal is shy on points, a little Crisco could work a lot of magic? A whole lot. You're really never on the spot with Crisco to give you food that's wonderfully appetizing and really digestible. And you can count on Crisco for both. Whether it's stretching a handful of leftovers with a smooth, velvety cream sauce or giving a party air to a little bit of meat with flaky pastry turnovers. And don't forget, Crisco cakes put appetizing and digestible on a skimpy meal. They certainly do. Have you ever tasted anything as delicious as a Crisco cake? They're so wonderfully light. Lighter even than cakes you can make with high-point shortening. Oh, say, tasting good, being digestible is just naturally true of everything you cook with Crisco. Crisco is pure and all vegetable, you know. Digestible itself. Why, Crisco is the finest quality shortening you can use. So, for meals that taste swell, digest easy, you better try Crisco. And here is a Thanksgiving note from the OPA. The younger your turkey is, the more you're going to have to pay for it. The birds have been put into two classes, old, and young. And an OPA official describes them this way. 
An old turkey is one that has really been around. A young Tom, on the other hand, doesn't even know his way around the barnyard. Out in Oklahoma City, Woody Hunt, who as president of the State League of Young Democrats always hoped he'd get a letter from the president of the United States. At last he did. It was an order for Hunt's induction. Well, friends, that's all for now. Join us tomorrow for another edition of your daytime radio newspaper. Derwood Kirby will bring you the big news. Bernadine Flynn will give you the colorful human interest side of the news. And we're both saying goodbye for Procter & Gamble, the makers of Crisco. We return you now to New York. 